Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Friday, October 27th. Coming up, four Overland Park police officers are being investigated for allegedly misusing thousands of dollars from a police charity. We'll hear why they haven't been charged with a crime and what could happen next. Plus, for more than a century, Kansas City has been haunted by the mysterious death of philanthropist Thomas Swope. And suspect number one is his nephew-in-law, who stood to inherit a fortune. I really have to say if Dr. Hyde was guilty of what he was accused of doing, he was probably the most villainous, awful criminal in American history. We'll unravel the strange case of Mr. Swope and Dr. Hyde. But first, some headlines. The Missouri Court of Appeals ruled this afternoon that former Kansas City Police Detective Eric DeValconeer must remain in prison while he fights his manslaughter conviction. Here's KCUR's Sam Zaff. In a one-page ruling, the court said Missouri law is clear. Anyone whose conviction is upheld on appeal must be imprisoned. DeValconeer was transferred Wednesday from the Platte County Jail to the Western Reception and Diagnostic Center in St. Joseph. He's already asked Missouri Governor Mike Parson for clemency, but a spokesman for the governor said this week Parson hasn't made a decision. DeValconeer was convicted of second-degree manslaughter for shooting Cameron Lamb while he sat in his truck. The conviction and six-year sentence was affirmed by the appeals court last week. Efforts to get people their annual COVID-19 vaccine are off to a slow start. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports some local providers are just now getting their supply. The University of Kansas Health System received doses of the updated COVID-19 vaccine this week, more than a month after the shot was approved. Supply issues across the country have slowed uptake dramatically. Stephen Seitz is the chief medical officer for the health system. He says just 3% of the eligible population and 7% of nursing home residents have gotten the vaccine thus far. Still a little nervous. I mean, from the healthcare standpoint, I get nervous, especially with those who are elderly and have other chronic disabilities. Despite the slow rollout, CDC officials say the U.S. is on track to hit last year's uptake of 17 percent of the population. Kansas City will get a cold snap this weekend, which will bring even more rain and drag nighttime lows into the 20s. National Weather Service meteorologist Hallie Bova says the chill will come from the northwest, thanks to the same wet weather system we've been seeing for days. We're finally getting the main wave to move through on Friday, which is bringing those uh, rain chances much colder air. The cold temperatures may even lead to some snowfall, but it's not expected to accumulate. We'll be back after this. This podcast is looking for good deals on great food, but sometimes we need to grab a bite late at night. What are some of your favorite late night happy hours in the KC Metro? Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. The Kansas Attorney General and the City of Overland Park are investigating four Overland Park police officers who allegedly misused thousands of dollars from a police charity. A new audit released earlier this week found the charity gave $27,000 to its own board members and kept sloppy records. Kaylee McLaughlin has been covering this story for the Shawnee Mission Post. She told me why the officers won't face criminal charges in Johnson County. 
So what is this foundation and what was it supposed to do? So the Overland Park Police Officers Foundation was founded in 2016. Um, like the primary goal was to support the families of fallen and injured officers. And then there were some secondary um, goals attached to it, like educational support and community outreach. But the main focus was supporting the families of fallen and injured officers. Who are the officers in this investigation and what are they suspected of doing? Yes. Um, so there's four police officers um, under investigation um, from the Overland Park Police Department. They are Tim Tinnen, Brandon Faber, Bradley Heater, and Rachel Scattergood. Um, the DA's investigation into um, criminal charges has concluded, and he decided not to charge them last week. But um, he said that the attorney general is still investigating um, under civil violations potentially and the city of Overland Park also said last week they're investigating to see if these four officers violated any um, city policies in their suspected misuse of um, foundation dollars and whether or not they will return to the force. How are they suspected of misusing that money? Um, A recently released audit um, from the Overland Park Fraternal Order of Police details sort of how um, they were using foundation dollars and giving them directly to themselves, either through scholarships or for other means. Um, It's not exactly clear what some of the money was used on. It is detailed that at least some of the money went to pay for one officer's vet bill, Um, Another chunk of money went to cover the cost of a gift card for one officer's family for the Great Wolf Lodge in Kansas City, Kansas. Um, But the total suspected um, gifts to themselves is $27,000 roughly. So who conducted this audit? Um, So the Overland Park Fraternal Order of Police um, called in the firm Financial Forensics, Inc. to conduct the audit sometime in 2022. Um, It covers foundation activity between 2016 when the foundation was started and sort of into 2022 um, eventually when the the foundation was suspended. So the audit itself was about 82 pages long and the documents that the Fraternal Order of Police um, released earlier this week also included an audit summary, um, a statement from the Fraternal Order of Police, and a copy of the foundation's bylaws. And basically the audit suggested that there was evidence of theft on the behalf of these four officers. And um, the Fraternal Order of Police said that they were disappointed that the DA decided not to charge these four officers um, with some sort of crime in connection to their alleged misuse of foundation dollars. So do we know why the Johnson County DA declined to press charges in this case? He said that there was not evidence of criminal misconduct. He said that there was some sort of unofficial amendment to the foundation's bylaws that was not um, voted on or officially recorded that allowed these four officers basically to use the money for their personal purposes. And earlier you mentioned that there are still some ongoing investigations into this. Where do those stand? Um, It's not entirely clear. Um, The DA did mention that the AG or Attorney General is investigating currently. And it's also not clear where the Yes, the Kansas AG. Um, It's also not clear where um, the investigation from the city's perspective stands um, as far as their employment is concerned. Will those officers face any consequences? 
Um, it's unclear at this point. It'll really come down to um, the city's investigation and um, the the attorney general's investigation. Although the attorney general's investigation is only civil based, so the window on any potential criminal charges seems to be closed with the DA's decision not to charge them last week. Do we know why or how the alleged misuse of funds happened? Um, it's not entirely clear. It seems that these four officers who were the board members of the foundation um, between 2016 and 2021-ish, that there just wasn't a lot of oversight. They weren't keeping records um, of meetings. There were not well-maintained internal financial documents. Um, So there are a lot of questions about how these officers were able to do this, but that's not clear at this point. That was Kaylee McLaughlin of the Shawnee Mission Post. You can read more on this story at kcur.org or at shawneemissionpost.com. The name Thomas Swope is immortalized in Kansas City. You may have driven on Swope Parkway or walked through Swope Park, for which he donated the land. But it was Swope's sudden death and the highly publicized murder trial that followed that made him a household name across the country. From the KCUR podcast, A People's History of Kansas City, Mackenzie Martin has this story, which opens on an imposing estate in independence. On the morning of October 3rd, 1909, Thomas Swope is deep in grief. Just two days before, the real estate mogul had witnessed the death of his beloved cousin, Moss Hunton. Inside his mansion on Pleasant Street, Swope's nurse, Pearl Keller, brings him breakfast, several newspapers, and a pill to help his indigestion. But then, without warning, he starts violently quivering and passes out. Nurse Keller in her trial testimony stated that Swope regained consciousness and made a comment to the effect I wished I had never taken that damned pill. It's going to kill me. Ralph Monaco is a Kansas City lawyer who wrote a book about this incident. Swope's remark proves eerily true. He passes away that very night. Two months later, an epidemic of typhoid fever breaks out at the mansion. And Swope's family members, friends, and servants all fall ill. Which is strange. That's Michael Wells, a special collections librarian at the Kansas City Public Library. Because there were no other outbreaks of typhoid in the area at the time. One of Swope's nephews dies, and the household begins to get suspicious that these sudden deaths are more than just tragic accidents. All of the cases have at least one person in common— the physician treating each of the family members, Dr. Bennett Clark Hyde, Swope's own nephew-in-law. At the time, Dr. Hyde was a prominent surgeon in Kansas City, but Monaco says his reputation was far from spotless. Because there are skeletons in them dark closets of Dr. Hyde. Dr. Hyde had been known to escort older women and fleece them from their dollars. He was known to hire men to rob graves. Remember the pill Thomas Swope took shortly before dying? Dr. Hyde had prescribed that. Oh, and several weeks before the typhoid outbreak, Dr. Hyde started growing typhoid bacteria cultures in his laboratory. And of course, it was Hyde who drained pints of blood from Moss Hunton after his stroke. By the time Hyde's murder trial started in April 1910, the case and the Swope family's personal feud had become a national media sensation. I mean, we like to think that true crime podcasts are sort of a modern invention, but people at the time had the same kind of appetite. 
The prosecution's case rested on a central motive. The fewer Swope family members left alive, the more Dr. Hyde and his wife would stand to inherit from Swope's fortune, which at the time was about $3.6 million. That's more than $100 million today. And in the days leading up to Swope's death, the prolific philanthropist had been openly talking about changing his will. As time went on, he started to think that maybe he needed to be giving even more and more to charity and less to the family. Of course, Swope died before he could follow through. After weeks of dueling expert witnesses and emotional testimony, the jury found Dr. Hyde guilty of murdering Thomas Swope. But then the Missouri Supreme Court threw out the verdict. They didn't show causation. The state of Missouri versus Dr. Hyde's case in the Supreme Court of 1911 is still a leading case on causation in murder cases. After a mistrial and a hung jury, the charges against Hyde were finally dismissed in 1917. It's easy to get wrapped up in the drama of this case. But even author Ralph Monaco, who spent two decades researching and reenacting the trial, can't say for sure who or what killed Thomas Swope. He hasn't stopped searching, though. His next mock trial is being planned right now, in fact, to be held in spring 2024. I really have to say, if Dr. Hyde was guilty of what he was accused of doing, he was probably the most villainous, awful criminal in American history. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Mackenzie Martin. You can hear a longer version of this story on KCUR Studios' podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadine. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Mackenzie's story on Thomas Swope, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.